Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, good evening, everybody. How's everyone doing tonight? Yo. Good. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Um, do me a favor. So we've just spent the last few minutes talking about who would play us in movies. And so uh, on the count of three, just shout out who would play you in a movie. Ready? One, two, three. That's great casting. I could see it. Totally. Uh, for all of you. Uh, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, my name is Drew Walton. I'm the associate director. Oh, thanks, guys. I'm the associate director here at HSM. I love uh, spending time with you guys. I love what we get to do. Uh, I love... Uh, being here on Sunday. So thanks for spending your Sunday with us. Uh, do me a favor, turn to someone nearby, like someone around you and look at them in the eye and repeat after me. Neighbor, you look good. Keep up the great work. All right, now turn to someone else. Look them in the eye and repeat after me. Neighbor, I'm glad you woke up this morning. You're the only you we got. And I'm glad you're here. Okay, turn to one final person, look them in the eye and repeat after me. Neighbor, happy Pentecost Sunday. All right, you can look up here. Um, now, for some of you, today is in fact, uh, well, for all of you, today is in fact Pentecost Sunday. Now, for some of you, if you've grown up uh, in Christian circles, um, and maybe even you've grown up in Christian circles and you're like, Pena what now? Uh, some of you, that might be a very familiar term. Uh, others of you, you might be like, what are you talking about? I didn't even know today was Pentecost Sunday. Is that like when it's uh, like International Cupcake Day or like Bring Your Dog to School Day, which would be a great day, uh, unless you're allergic. Uh, but no, Pentecost Sunday is something in the Christian tradition, in the Christian faith that we celebrate, and it falls on today, which is actually weirdly appropriate timing with the series that we're in right now. It was not planned this way. But let me tell you what Pentecost Sunday is. So Pentecost refers to an event in the New Testament uh, where the people of God receive the Spirit of God, uh, and from the Spirit of God, they receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's exactly what we've been talking about. We're in a three-week series right now. You've just dropped yourself into the middle of week two uh, of our series called Teen Spirit, and it's all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Pentecost is the moment in history where that begins. So a little crash course on Pentecost. Jesus, fully God, fully man, shows up on the scene uh, in Jerusalem, right? He lives this perfect life, doesn't sin at all. He leaves the comfort of heaven for the uh, beautiful world that we live in, but often uncomfortable world we live in, broken world we live in, uh, struggle of a world that we live in. He leaves the perfection of heaven and comes to us, lives a perfect life, dies a sinner's death and swaps basically with us. He takes all of the negative balance on your account, every wrong thing you've ever done, every way you've come up short, uh, every lie you've ever told, every person you've ever harmed, all of it. He takes that negative balance and he trades it. So you don't have a negative balance on your account anymore if you're in Christ. Praise God. Yeah, that's good news. That's gospel literally translates good news. And so if you're under the impression that you're under an old covenant and you have to do certain things and perform for God to be worthy of his love, the good news is that it's already settled and your track record can't be held against you if you're in Christ. Amen. That's a great thing, right? Like that's good news. Like everybody needs to know that good news. And sometimes we can get into this mindset of like, but I did this thing or I come up short in this way. And God says over and over again, no, I settled it. Like I paid for it, right? Jesus died for it. He came back to life. He was resurrected. He, there were hundreds of eyewitnesses. It's recorded not just in Christian texts, but in non-Christian texts as well. Jesus was a real man. He really died. And there are hundreds of people who are convinced that he was was resurrected again, that he walked the earth, that he taught more, and then ultimately ascended back to heaven, right? And so while Jesus is, on, is here on earth, he's talking to his disciples and he's telling them, it's actually essential for me to leave you, right? Like I'm here with you now, but it's better for me to go. And when I come back, I'm coming back for you for good. I'm bringing you home with me. No more separation from God. No more wondering where he is. No more praying and, uh, and wondering if anybody hears you, right? I'm coming back and I'm coming back for good, but it's actually right and good that I leave you so that in the time that you're waiting for my return, you can receive the Holy Spirit. 
right? And the Holy Spirit can be not just one man in one place where it's like, where's Jesus? Oh, he's in Calabasas today. And everybody gets in their cars to go see Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is uniquely with each one of us in every space, in every moment of our day. There's a sweet woman on our staff, an older woman. She always says it this way. She goes, there's not a spot where God is not, right? That's the power of the Holy Spirit, that he is your closest friend, your closest confidant, your counselor, uh, your encourager, your support, uh, your teacher, he challenges you, right? Like if you're in Christ, uh, the scriptures tell us that we receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, it's an upgrade actually for me to go away so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna go and then you camp out and wait and you'll know when I arrive as the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples, Jesus has ascended back to heaven uh, and they're just kind of hunkered down, waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up, to descend upon them so that they can have encounter with God. And so it says in Acts chapter two, that one day they're just chilling in a house, kind of minding their own business. When the first thing that happens is they hear something. It says that hear uh, the roar of what sounds like rushing water. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere and heard a sound that like doesn't feel like it fits there, but it's kind of jarring. It's kind of alarming. It's a little disorienting. So they're in a house in a city and they start to hear what sounds like rushing water moving through the house. So first they hear, then they see something. And what they see, it says it looks like flames in the air above them. Like it's almost as if the air in the room catches fire. And then it says that the flames separate into individual tongues of flame or uh, like basically just individual flames. And it says they separate and they descend on each person in the room. And once that flame descended on each of them, they received the Holy Spirit. And the first manifestation of a gift of the Spirit happens in that moment. And that gift is the gift of tongues, right? So you have all of the disciples, they're camped out waiting for the Holy Spirit um, they've just like experienced this incredible couple of years with Jesus. And then this just like devastating loss of like, he, he was with us and then he was executed and he was dead. And what does that mean for everything we've been doing, everything that we put our future in? And then the greatest surprise of all, he's actually not dead anymore. He's back again and he's left and we've got good news to share with people. And it says that the first gift of the spirit that manifests is the Holy Spirit comes on each of them. They receive the spirit of God and they start speaking languages that they never spoke from birth and that they never took a class to study, right? Suddenly they just have the ability to speak a language that was, that was moments before completely foreign to them. And this is the gift of tongues. And in fact, um, cool story, any of you, have you been on our Dominican Republic trip? Anyone? You! Uh, I think JD tells me it's what, 37 days out from our, 37, in 37 days we're taking a team back to the Dominican Republic. The man who founded the organization that we're partnering with in the Dominican Republic is a man named Brian Berman. The organization is called Project Minana. Brian Berman is from this area, grew up in Simi Valley, was like making six figures as like a 19 year old, was just kind of like a wonderkind um, in business. And he was on a short term trip in the Dominican Republic. The spirit of God was like, I'm changing your life. You're pivoting in a new direction. I want you to go home, wrap up your affairs and move to the Dominican Republic to start a ministry. God gave him a vision for it. Only problem is Dominican Republic is a Spanish speaking country. Country. And Brian doesn't speak Spanish. He knows like a few phrases. Like he knows like, where's the bathroom? That one's critical. Um, and he knows like, hello, my name is and things like that. But he just, he feels prompted by the Lord. And so he goes and he moves and he's there for a few days. Kind of like, I don't really know what my game plan is. Like I'm kind of with the people that I was with a few months ago when I was down here and God just like moved in my heart, but I don't really know what's happening. Goes to bed one night, wakes up the next morning, is fluent in Spanish wasn't doing like audiobooks in his sleep or like Rosetta Stone, anything like that, right? That's not a common thing that happens to a multitude of people. But for Brian Berman, he went to bed one night, not speaking Spanish, woke up the next morning, had Spanish, it never went away, and God's built this ministry that we get to partner with, Gift of Tongues. So flashback to Pentecost, God gives the disciples the ability to speak languages that they didn't know because God has a purpose for them. And so what happens is he sends them out into the city and they scatter and they begin preaching the good news in different languages. And suddenly there's all these people from around the city who gather around because they're mystified. They're like, well, how does this person speak my language? Or some of the people are like, I know this person and they've never spoken my language. So they've been like holding out on me. Some people are uh, uh, marveling at it. Like this is a miracle. Uh, you have my attention. I'm listening. Other people are a little like unsure of what to make of it. It's like, this is kind of weird. I don't really have precedent 
precedent for it. Um, and then there's other people who are kind of put off by it. It's honestly, it kind of freaks them out. And it says that they begin to mock it, right? They're kind of, they kind of accuse the disciples of being drunk, actually. They're like, they're just like making gibberish. They're not really saying anything. It's morning. Look at these bunch of drunks, right? They're kind of like mocking them, trying to cut them down and validate what they're doing so the people don't listen to them. And the disciples defend themselves. And I love that their defense is that it's too early to be drunk, not that they would never be drunk. Or it's just like, you know, God, we're all a work in progress. <laughs> they're not like, no, we don't do that. We're holy. They're like, no, it's 9 a.m. Too early for drinking. Um, but they basically make their case to the crowd and tons of people come to receive the good news of Jesus because God worked through them, gave them a gift of the spirit um, to fulfill God's purposes, right? But the fact that there was a multitude of reactions is actually a really normal thing, right? The fact that there are some people um, who maybe they're just like, don't believe in anything, right? Like maybe there are some people around that they're like, they would, would have considered themselves like atheists or agnostic. And they're like, I don't claim to know what I believe, or I don't believe that there's anything beyond what we can like categorize or like touch or feel or examine like kind of scientific method. If it doesn't fit in that box, I'm not believing it. Right. And then suddenly they're confronted with this thing where it's like, this doesn't fit in the box. And so the big question is, is this for real? Like what's going on? Are they faking? Are they drunk? Is there really something supernatural that I haven't considered before? Right. And at the same time, there's probably people from other belief backgrounds who are there and they're like, I have my belief about how the spiritual world works, about uh, how the divine operates. And this is like kind of like a new category. This, uh, this isn't what I've grown up learning about. This doesn't familiar to me. And like, what is this? And the big question is, is this for real? How do I know if this is a hoax? If this is truth? If this is just too much alcohol? Like what's going on? And then even there are people who were believers. And again, it's Pentecost. No one's ever done this before. No one's received the Holy Spirit like this before. And so it's totally this new thing that people are encountering. encountering. And some people have a wonderment at it. Some people are like, this is incredible. It causes them to step closer, to examine more eagerly. And some people are a little put off by it or a little freaked out by it or a little confused by it. And the big question is, is this for real? Like, how do I determine if something is really from God or if it's something else, if it's bad pizza or if it's someone malicious who's trying to trick me? Like, how do I tell the difference? Um, and that's kind of the question that I want us to camp out with today because that question is just as real now as it was 2,000 years ago on Pentecost, right? Like, I, I imagine that in the room, there are probably at least a few of you who would fall in that box of like, do you know what? I'm, I'm open, I'm curious, but I would consider myself like an atheist or ag an agnostic and I'm open. Maybe I'm curious. Maybe I'm here because someone invited me like six times and I just thought I'll get them off my back. I'll go once. And if that's you, we're glad you're here. Um, so glad you're here. Uh, or maybe you're someone and you come from a different faith background and you're like this, like Christianity and church is sort of a new experience for me. And I'm, I'm interested, but I also have like all these ways of how I understood the world and spiritual realms and all this conversation about God, about the gospel, about his spirit, about spiritual gifts is sort of like outside of my frame of context. And my big question is, is this for real? How do I discern when something is truly God versus if it's something else, if it's someone who's confused or someone who's malicious and wants to trick me, right? Those are the questions, or maybe you're a believer and you've grown up uh, in the church. And at the same time, like gifts of the spirit is something that kind of like feels like it's existed in a different section of Christianity. And you've never really like dipped your toe into it. You've never really examined it for yourself. And the question on your mind is, is this for real? Like, how do I determine if something is from God or if it is not from God. And so here's what I want to do. Before we advance forward in this conversation, I think it would be foolish of me to enter into a conversation about the Spirit of God without praying and asking the Spirit of God to be here with us. So would you guys pray with me? Cool, let's pray. Bow your heads if you're a head bower. Uh, it's not a magic equation. It's just something that I find helps me focus uh, as we talk to God. So God, thank you so much that we get to be here. God, thank you for this family, this safe place to ask our questions, to enter with curiosity, um, to look into the truth of your word uh, and have it look into us and God, have a conversation with you. Uh, and so Lord, first and foremost, we invite your Holy Spirit to be here, God. Uh, we don't wanna just talk about you. We wanna talk with you tonight. We wanna be in dialogue with you tonight. And so God, we pray that your spirit would fall fresh on this room in a new way, um, that you'd be moving amongst us. God, that you would uh, cut through confusion and speak clearly. Uh, God, that you'd be speaking to us things that you want us to know um, and moving in our hearts. And so Lord, uh, we anticipate you. It's the, the most ancient desire you have since creating us is to meet with your people. And so would you meet with us here now in Jesus name? Amen. So 
Last week, Aaron kicked off the series. There's never a good time to pause for water. Ah, but water's life-giving. Last week, Aaron kicked off the series, and we talked about spiritual gifts, right? It's all over uh, the New Testament of scriptures that God shows up, he puts his spirit in us, and that he gives individual believers gifts um, for the building up of the church and to make his name lifted high to a world who desperately needs him, right? To spread the good news of the gospel and to encourage, to teach, to build up other believers. That's what the gifts of the spirit are for. And so we're going to throw on the screen, what are the gifts of the spirit that we looked at last week? Here they are. So I'm just going to crash course through these in case you weren't with us last week or in case um, you just need a reminder. So the first gift that's listed in the gifts of the spirit is the gift of prophecy. Now, prophecy is something that maybe you've heard more about in like pop culture than in church, right? It's not something that we talk about a lot in the modern context. Maybe in certain churches you've been in a church and prophecy was like normal everyday conversation. Maybe you grew up in a church and no one ever talked about it. Um, But it's not like wizards and crystal balls and all of that. Uh, Here's simply what biblical prophecy is. It is someone who can hear from God and speak to the people uh, that God puts them in front of to convey the heart of God or the message of God. And so that could be God wants to speak into current situations uh, in your life or into a community's life, or God God wants to speak about future things so that we're not caught off guard, off guard or that we know what God is moving us towards. That's what prophecy is, right? And so some people have the spiritual gift of when they get alone with God in his word, in prayer, that God puts on their heart and on their minds a message to speak to someone or to speak to people. And that's the gift of prophecy. The next gift that we talked about is the gift of helps, right? People who just like have this supernatural ability to step in and see where they can be of service and a desire to do so, right? These are your people who are just like always looking for the place that they can serve, never seeking out fame or glory. They just want to come alongside you and help your life be better, help you get closer to God, help your circumstance that's been a challenge for you. And this is a supernatural gift of God's spirit that he gives people the eyes to be able to scan a room and say, I could be of most use over there. I could be of most encouragement over there, right? And that's a gift that God gives. Another one is the gift of administration. Now, this is something that can kind of be overlooked, right? There's like the spicy gifts of the spirit, like, ooh, tongues, that feels spiritual or prophecy. And then it's like, man, administration. Administration is actually so mission critical to what God's doing in the church. And here's what administration is. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's this supernatural ability to organize, to think through systems, to help solve problems, to get people places, right? Like we hype up Courtney Lopez. Make some noise if you know Courtney Lopez. Lopez. Yeah. Courtney Lopez is amazing. She is the glue of HSM. And usually you won't see her here on a Sunday night. She does come on mission trips sometimes. She'll be at camp. Um, She's part of our staff. We work with her week in and week out, day in and day out. And she is a humble servant. And she is hook, line, and sinker, the gifts of administration. If you've ever been to a camp, the reason that happened is because Courtney Lopez has the gift of administration and is great at her job. If you've ever been on a mission trip, the reason that was able to happen is because Courtney Lopez has a gift of administration. If you've ever been to a summer nights and had a barbecued burger, that's because Courtney Lopez is great at her job of administration and made it so that all the supplies were in place so that we could provide you with that, right? Like the gift of administration is actually mission critical to what the work is that God's doing in the church. And God says it's a spiritual gift. It's something that his Holy Spirit empowers people to do. The next gift is the gift of teaching. Some people are gifted to be able to open up God's word and speak it in such a way that you understand it, that God speaks to you through it, that it moves your heart, that it unlocks your understanding, that it shifts your perspective to be broader. Um, Some people just have the spiritual gift of teaching. Other people have the gift of exhortation. Basically, if you've ever been in a situation, maybe you've been on a mission trip with us, maybe uh, near the end of the small group year, or just in a room where we did affirmations, right? Exhortation is encouragement and calling forward the good that you see in people. Sometimes things that people don't know about themselves. To exhort someone is to lift them up. Did my mic just drop out? Can you hear me? Okay, cool. Um, Exhortation is the ability to draw out what is good in people and make them aware of it right? Exhortation is the ability to come alongside you and encourage you. If you have that person who it's like, who do I call when I'm having a hard time? Who do I call when I need some encouragement? Who do I call when I'm in struggle? Or who's the person that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and they put it on my radar and they called me higher and I stepped into that. That's the gift of exhortation. Some people have the gift of giving. Some people just know intuitively 
and, and have the resources where to give generously, right? That God would just like impress upon them, you know what, I have a purpose over here and I've given you all of this resource and I want you to give it here to fulfill my purposes. I could tell you, I've been a beneficiary of the gift of giving. I've been in seasons in life where I followed God into something that I believed he was calling me to do and it did not seem like I was gonna be able to afford it and I would get a phone call out of the blue. Hey, haven't talked to you forever, was praying, feel like God wanted me to give you X amount of money. That's so weird. That's the exact amount of money that I'm missing right now. Like the gift of giving is a supernatural gift. Some people have it. Maybe you have it. Maybe you've just been prompted by the Lord. Like, hey, give over here. Hey, pour into this community. Pour into this person. Solve this problem with your resources. That's the gift of giving. Some people have the gift of being apostles. Those are our missionaries, right? Like those are the people whose calling is to go into a culture, not their own, uh, and they have the supernatural gift to connect with people who have a different background, who have different customs, different traditions, to connect heart to heart, mind to mind, and share the good news of Jesus with them. That is a spiritual gift. Some people have the gift of leadership. Some people are just the people that for whatever reason have that thing that makes you want to follow them. Have that thing that you're like, you know what? I trust this person. I trust that they're going to do what's best for me or best for the group, right? They're, they're that person. And maybe it's someone in your friend group. Maybe it's someone in an organization you've been a part of where when there's like something in question or you don't know the next right move, everyone kind of just instinctively looks to them like, you will tell us what to do, right? Maybe that's you and you're like, I don't want the pressure, but tough luck. You've got the gift of leadership, right? That's a spiritual gift. Some people have the gift of discerning or distinguishing between spirits, the supernatural ability to tell if something is, yes, this is true. This is in line with God's word. This is from God. Or if something's a little fishy, if it's like, no, this is not from God. This is something else, right? This is coming from a different place, whether it's self-will or whether it's something um, darker than that. Um, the gift of discerning between spirits, mission critical to the church. Some people have, like we talked about, the gift of tongues, right? The ability to speak languages that they weren't raised in, that they didn't study, uh, to pray in spiritual tongues, uh, all of that. That is a spiritual gift. Some people have the gift of interpreting tongues. Uh, some people just have the gift of like, I can hear a language um, that someone else spoke that isn't their language, or I can hear a spiritual language, and I can tell you guys what that means. I can interpret that for you. Some people have that gift. Some people have the gift of mercy. Right? Like some people just have the ability to see through all of the stuff that gets piled on each one of our identities, right? All of the things um, that we've done, all of like my baggage, all of my sin, um, all of the ways that I've come up short, all the ways that I've been disappointing, all the reputations that people have put on me. Some people just have the supernatural ability to see right through it to your heart and not be phased by all the rest of it. The gift of mercy to say, do you know what? None of that matters. What is God saying to your heart? How can I come alongside? you? How can I partner with you? How can we wipe the slate clean like Jesus wipes the slate clean? And how can I just have a relationship with the heart of who you are? That's the gift of mercy. Some people have the gift of evangelism. They can, they can just talk to somebody who has no context for Jesus, who has not, either wants nothing to do with Jesus or has believed something different uh, or is from a different background, and they can just convey the good news of Jesus to people um, in a way that makes it come to life for them. That's the gift of evangelism. Some people have words of wisdom. It's not just like a knowledge, but it's a, an understanding of the right way to apply knowledge in any given situation, right? Like so surely you've had a wise person in your life where it's like, I don't know how they say things so simply and it makes so much sense, it's so clear and it's just like, I know exactly what I need to do after I talk to that person. Gift of wisdom. Right? Some people have words of knowledge. Sometimes that's study, right? Like some people just have like a supernatural passion to like dive into God's word and study it, chew on it, think through it, digest it. They can speak it back out to you. And some people have gifts of knowledge where it's like supernaturally they get information that there's no reason they should have. They'll know things about certain uh, moments, about certain things going on uh, that nobody would know, but God just gives that to them so that they can build up the body or lead people to Jesus. That's the gift of knowledge. Some people have the gift of faith. Some people just like have this like anchor in their heart that's just like no matter how rocky the road is no matter how choppy the water is in life I know that God's going to come through I have faith I'm unwavering and those are the people that can encourage and build each other uh, build other people's faith up through hard circumstances the gift of faith and the final gift that we talked about is the gift of healing literally supernatural healing the ability to to sense where God wants to heal 
to come in, to ask in faith, uh, to lay on hands, to pray, and to see God do miraculous things. I've witnessed healings. Um, It's wild. Uh, But those are the gifts of the Spirit. And here's what we know. In James chapter 1, verse 17, um, the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So in other words, if it is a gift from God, and God's word tells us that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are gifts from God, then it is a good gift and a perfect gift, right? Regardless of how comfortable we feel with it, regardless of how um, much sense it makes to us, if it is a true gift from God, then it is good and it is perfect, right? To put it another way, some of the language we've used here at HSM before is this. God's gifts used God's way are only ever a blessing. Let me say that again. God's gift, if it's a gift from God, from heaven, it is good and it is perfect. If you use it the way that God designed it, God intended it, it will only ever bring blessing to your life and the people's lives around you. Now, when we take it and we try to bend it out of its design, bend it out of its intended purpose, that's when things can get wonky. When we try to take a gift of God and twist it for our own purposes, usually one of two things will happen. Either it will snap back and hurt us because we've been trying to bend it out of its shape, or it will snap forward and hurt other people. Right? When we take God's good gifts and we use them out of their intended design, we hurt ourselves and we hurt other people. But when we use God's gifts, God's way, it's only ever a good thing. It's only ever a blessing. And so when we get into the conversation about gifts of the Holy Spirit, I just want to acknowledge that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are good gifts. They're only ever good if they're used God's way. They'll only bring blessing into our community, into your lives. But if they're used out of God's design, out of God's context, either out of self-will or someone trying to be manipulative or whatever, that's where people get hurt. That's where things go off the tracks. And so maybe you're in the room and you've just had like no experience of the Holy Spirit and you're like, I'm curious, this is interesting, I'm learning about this uh, and I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm glad you're along for the ride. I hope that this makes sense to you. I hope this speaks to you. Maybe you're in the room tonight and you've had experiences. Maybe you've experienced your own gifting in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been around other people or in communities that are gifted in the Holy Spirit. And for you, this far in your life, you've only ever had positive experiences. And to that, I say, praise God. That's a beautiful thing if you've only ever had positive experiences. And then maybe there's people in the room, you hear gifts of the Holy Spirit and you recoil because you feel like you've only had bad experiences. You've only had people uh, where it feels like they don't respect your boundaries, like they're pushing, like it's uncomfortable, like they're acting a little weird, um, like they said things about you that weren't true. Um, Maybe they hurt somebody that you know, right? Like maybe you're in the room and you hear gifts of the Holy Spirit and you're like, I don't like, this is a topic that makes me uncomfortable. I've only ever experienced bad. And I'm glad you're here tonight because if that's what you experience, just know that that's not God's gift being used God's way. Um, And so what we want to do is we want to look at God's gifts, God's way. And you know, in fact, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 7. He warns us even. Uh, He says, watch out for false prophets. Like there are prophets who have the gift of prophecy. And then there's also false prophets. He says, watch out for them. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're wolves. They're ferocious wolves, and I want you to be watchful. I want you to be discerning. I want you to know what to look for. That's what Jesus says. So the question is, how do we equip ourselves to know the real from the fake? Like, how do we kind of like attune our spidey senses, right? Like, what should we be looking for? Like, what's the directive of scripture of how to spot the real thing and divide it from the fake thing or the broken thing? And so what I want to do is I want us to dive into the book of 1 Corinthians tonight. It's in the New Testament. It was written by a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul. Um, If If you haven't grown up in Christian circles, here's the quickest crash course on the Apostle Paul. Paul was somebody who grew up uh, in the Jewish faith. He was very zealous about it, like spent his whole life studying the Jewish scriptures. Um, As an adult man, was about kind of like as high as you could go in religion, and he hated Christians, hated Jesus, thought Jesus was a total threat to everything he held dear, everything he believed, and he actually persecuted Christians. He had a bloodlust for Christians. Like his goal was that Christians be hunted down and murdered. That was his whole agenda. His name was Saul all his life. And one day he's traveling down a road um, and he encounters the risen Jesus. So brilliant, so powerful. It knocks Saul off his horse 
off his horse, strikes him blind, and Jesus speaks to him and has a conversation with him and basically tells him what's up. Tells him that he is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh. Stop persecuting me. I'm giving you a new life, a new identity, a new name. And he changes his name from Saul to Paul. A few days later, Saul gets connected to the church, meets a Christian man named Ananias who prays for him, and the the blindness goes away from him, and Paul begins his ministry, a radical life pivot. And he goes around building up all of the churches uh, in the area, writes most of the text we have in the New Testament, uh, is a very significant voice uh, in the movement of the early church. And Saul writes a ton of letters to different churches, kind of talking like, okay, what are best practices on this Christian faith? Like, how do we engage this? What are the road, um, the kind of like road rails, the road guards? What am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Guardrails. God bless J.D. Lasky. What are sort of the guardrails that keep us on the road, right? Like if you've ever gone up to camp with us and uh, does it ever make you like a little nervous on those mountain roads? Like we're in a bus and there's like stretches of road where there's no guardrail and it's like the bus driver's not driving any more or less recklessly, but the fact that there's not a guardrail makes you feel like I'm about to plummet to my death, right? Like, and having a guardrail there, just knowing there's something there to keep you in the safe place is a really good thing, right? And so Paul's talking about like, what are kind of like the guardrails that keep this thing on track so we know we're operating in the authentic gifts of the Spirit. And so he's talking um, to the church of the Corinthians in Corinth, um, and here's what he has to say about gifts of the Spirit. So we're going to jump in in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, and he's going to talk about gifts of the Spirit, but he's really going to kind of like highlight about four gifts of the Spirit that really can go awry uh, if they're not done properly. And so let's do this. Let's look at this together at what Paul has to say and what these four gifts are and what is the regulation about it. So we're going to throw this on the screen. Here's what he says. The first gift he's going to talk about is the first gift that we saw in Scripture. He says, if I speak in the tongues, spiritual gift of tongues, of men or evangelists. So he's saying this is the first gift where it can go really well. It can be an absolute blessing or it can be really wonky. It can really off put people. It can really screw up people's understanding. And so what is the guardrail that keeps it on the road? He says, if I speak in tongues of men or angels, but I do not have love. Like if I, if I'm like, I got the gift of tongues, watch me go. But love is missing from the equation. Here's what he says. He says, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You ever heard a gong? You ever heard a cymbal? They're noisy, but then the noise goes away and there's nothing left, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying like, if you have the gift of tongues, but love is absent from the equation, literally all you're doing is just making a bunch of noise that doesn't go anywhere. He's saying it's a waste of your breath. If you got the gift of tongues, but love is absent from the equation, it's a waste of your breath. What's the next gifting that he talks about? He goes on, he says, if I have the gift of prophecy, right? Like if I can be the mouthpiece of God, if I can tell people or a community, like God wants to convey this to you, right? If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries and I have all knowledge, right? Like if I have these like downloads of information from God where it's like, I shouldn't have known that. There's no logical reason I would know that, but I have this download of information. If I got prophecy or knowledge, and if I have faith that can move the mountain, but I don't have love. If love is absent from the equation, I'm nothing. I'm not moving the ball down the field. I'm not operating the gifts of the spirit correctly. Something's gone awry. Let's see where he goes next. He goes, if I give the gift of generosity, right? To say like, I have all this resource and I feel like God wants me to put it here to move things forward, right? He says, if I give everything that I possess to the poor, and I give over my body to hardship so that I can boast, so that I can get the attention, so that I can get the praise, so that people will be like, wow, look at Drew, look how generous he is. Wow, look at Drew, look at what a sacrificial servant he is. If my end goal is me, something's gone terribly wrong. He says, if I give over my body hardship so that I can boast, but I don't have love, I'm not gaining anything from that equation. So for us, with the gifts of the Spirit, love is the guardrails that keeps this thing on the track. But here's what I want to talk about, is I think for us, in 2023, we hear love, and our mind jumps to a lot of our like kind of modern day cultural conceptions about love, right? Uh, you think about like The Bachelor, or you think about um, a romance novel, or you think about like a war movie where it's like, wow, he died because he loved, right? It's like, oh, amazing, right? But the biblical definition of love is not 
just passion, right? Like, I think we hear love and we're like, oh, if I'm just like really passionate, that must be love, right? So if I like do the gifts of the spirit with passion, like get some gusto in there, then like things are going well. No, that is not the biblical definition of love. It is not passion. It's also not just intensity. It's not like I have this like intense burning desire to see something happen. I've got this driving intensity that makes me want to make something happen. It's not intensity, right? And it's not just desire. It's not just like I really want this to be what God's doing. I really want to see this change happen, right? It's not passion. It's not intensity. It's not desire. If we're going to look at God's word, we have to let God's word interpret itself to us. And so let's see what God's got on his mind when he's got love on his mind. Here's what he says. He says, love, the kind of love I'm talking about, the kind of guardrails that will keep this thing holy and pleasing to God, the kind of guardrails that will keep this thing a blessing and only a blessing that will build up the community that you're in, that will bring people into saving relationship with me. The kind of love that's on my mind when I say love is this. He says, love is first and foremost patient. Love is also kind. Love does not envy. It's not after what someone else has, right? Love does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor other people. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It doesn't keep score. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. He goes on, here's what he says. Love never fails, but, he's back in his conversation about spiritual gifts. He's like, here's what you need to keep in mind with the gifts of the spirit. He goes, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Right, like he's saying, guys, the end goal is not the gifts of the spirit. Our biggest win isn't that we put all of our attention, all of our devotion, all of our focus on the gifts of the spirit because those are a temporary thing. Those are a means to an end. Remember, Jesus said it's better that I leave so the Holy Spirit can come, but when I come back, I'm coming back for good. Eternal unity. And when that day comes, there is no need for the gifts of the spirit anymore because we have perfect restored relationship with God. So he says, don't get caught in the weeds. Don't lose the forest for the trees. The gifts of the spirit are for right now and they're good. They're for the building up of the body, but it's not the ultimate goal. It's not where we're going. He says, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when, we, when completeness comes, when Jesus returns us to him, what's in part disappears. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. And so for Paul, and, and really above Paul, for God, when we're in a conversation about the gifts of the Spirit, it's actually so, so critical, you guys, that we take the scripture seriously. It's not just like a nice poem that's supposed to sound good, like love, like love is the answer to everything. Like we're just gonna talk about love some more. And like, no, these are actually really practical tools to help us make sure that we're keeping God's gifts in God's design, that we're only bringing blessing into our family, into our community, that we're only speaking the true gospel that brings people into relationship with him. Because that's his agenda. It would be a shame if we misrepresented God to people and pushed them away, where they're like, I had a bad experience at Calvary H. HSM, I'm not going back or ever to a church. Like that would be a real tragedy. And so for us, what I want to do is I want us to look at kind of like, let's take, let's parse through when the Bible talks about love, it has all these statements, right? It says like, love is this, love is not that. And so I want us to look at the love is, is, and the love is nots, right? And so what I want us to do is I want us to start with the, the love is nots of it all. So like, let's just like be practical about this. Let's think about ourselves. Let's think about our community and ask this question. What are the things that we can do as a community to uh, the, what the Bible would call is quench the spirit of God, right? Like we're talking about Pentecost and it, uh, God shows up as like flames. What are the things that we do that's like throwing a bucket of water on it? What are the things that we do that is just like a screeching halt to the things that God desires to do in our community, 
right? Like, what are the, thi- the, the way I've titled this is, gifts can and do go wrong with people who are blank. So we're going to build this list here in just a second. I'm going to throw it on the screen. Gifts can and do go wrong with people who are. So in other words, what would it look like for us to do things that quench the spirit of God? What would it look like for us? What are the behaviors from this definition in 1 Corinthians of love? What are the things that we could do to stop what God's trying to do in our community? And and, and to take it a step further, what are the things that it would look like if we did these things or if we just like allowed these things um, in our midst? These are the things that would actually take us from um, uh, the body of Christ, right? The hands and feet of Jesus taking love to the world. What are the things where we would forsake that and we, we would become an abusive, religious cult if we just like embraced these things or left these things unchecked. And so here's the list. The first thing on that list is if we just took, took it as not a big deal and we just allowed ourselves to be envious. Like if you just let envy take root in your heart uh, and try to operate as if you're operating in the spirit of God, something's gone wrong. Right, like, if, and, and that's not to say that that never creeps up, right? Because we're human, right? All of these things that we're about to list are things that will pop up in our lives. It's how we respond to them. It's what's the trajectory of our growth. But if we are a people where we just allow it to run rampant, that we desire what other people have um, at any cost, right? Like jealousy is like, I'm afraid that someone's gonna take this thing from me. Envy is I want what someone else has, right? If we allow envy in our community, um, if we allow pride to just be part of who we are, and I'm not talking pride like I worked really hard, I struggled, I overcame an obstacle, and I'm proud of the work that I did. That's not the pride we're talking about. We're talking about the pride that lifts ourselves up while pushing other people down. We're talking about the pride that will not admit when we're wrong. Like when, when I know that I'm wrong and I just will not give an inch, I will not show defeat, that pride is ugly and that will quench the spirit of God. We, if we try to operate in the gifts of the spirit, we will hurt ourselves and hurt other people if that's something that just goes unchecked. The next thing is if we're disrespectful, if we just allow disrespect, if we're people who say bad things about our brothers and sisters, who say bad things about people who wander in here curious, right? Like if we're just disrespectful, we can't respect uh, authorities in our life, right? Maybe you're someone who you have lived your life and you have had bad authorities over you and that's heartbreaking. But the, the thing is that all authority isn't bad because you got saddled with someone who was bad. It's how do we find healthy authority and how do we have a good position with it in our life? We can't just allow disrespect to be part of who we are. We'll hurt people around us. We'll push people away from Jesus. Uh, We can't be self-seeking. We can't like have these shadow missions where it's like, yeah, yeah, the mission of God, but really here's what I want from things. Here's what I want from this person. Here's my secret agenda. Here's the thing I'm not telling anyone, but I'm just trying to like puppeteer this into existence, right? If we're self-seeking, we will sabotage the mission of God in this community, if we're easily angered, if we just allow anything to get under our skin and to just give us an anger response, right? Now that doesn't mean never angered, right? Sometimes there's like a holy anger, right? Like sometimes there's like a, this cannot stand and this is wrong. But if we're quick to anger, if we're just like volatile people that can fly off a handle at a moment's notice, that's a problem. That will roadblock what God wants to do in our community. That will halt people from drawing closer to Jesus who don't know him. Uh, The next is this. If we're a people who keep record of wrongs, like if we just move around our life and we keep score and we remember every way someone's let us down or everything someone did uh, that they think they got away with uh, or like we like forgave them but we've got like a secret account and if they like, if we get into a fight, I've got this laundry list of things that I'm gonna bring back up and weaponize against them, right? Like if we just keep score all the time, we will halt what God's spirit is trying to do here in this community. Um, If we delight in evil, Here's what that means. If we just live in unrepentant sin, if it's just like, do you know what? Like God says, this is what's best for me. This is what's best for community, right? Like when we have a conversation about sin, we're literally just talking about things that God said no to because in his love and his wisdom, he knows that they're things that are bad for us or bad for the people around us. And so if we just go on doing things that are harmful to ourselves or harmful to the people around us, that's gonna create a problem culture. 
right? Uh, if we're impatient, if we're always trying to rush to the next thing, if we don't have patience for each other, um, if we don't have patience for God to do things in his time, if we try to just like force people into a God experience when God's like, no, 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 I, I'm a big timing guy. Like God's huge on timing and usually it's slower than we want, right? Like God tends to operate like very slowly and then all of a sudden. Uh, and if we try to force God's hand, that creates problems. Uh, if we're boastful, if we're all about lifting up our names and showing how great we are, uh, Jesus' name gets lost in the mix, and that's a problem. If we're unkind, if we're rude to people, if we're dismissive to people, if we're like backbitey to people, if we like do the like bless your heart to their face, but it's got like teeth in it, it's like a dagger in the gut. Uh, if we're like fake nice, um, that's not kindness, and that's a problem. If we twist the truth, if we take like 80% truth, and we're comfy with like a 20% twist of the truth, that's a problem. Uh, if we are people who just want to attack people, if we're just looking for a fight, if we're just sharpening our knives at any given time, and we're just looking for the time where we can like hit someone with our talking points or make them really look really stupid in front of a group, that's a problem. Uh, if we're distrusting, if we just like, I don't trust anybody, um, I won't like make myself vulnerable to anybody, like if we're just distrusting, that's a problem. Uh, if we despair, if we just are like hopeless, cynical people uh, who don't believe that with God the future is better, the future is bigger, the future is brighter, that's a problem. Um, if we just allow ourselves to be weary and want to give up and just stay there, right? Like there are times in all of our lives where we're weary and we need some encouragement and we need a help and support. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we just decide to build a house in a situation that we were only ever supposed to pitch a tent, right? Like when it's like, I'm not gonna move forward with my life, I'm just gonna stay here and despair and feel bad. That's a problem. So those are all the things that'll quench God's spirit. Those are all the things where it's like God has all these plans, all these purposes for us, but we'll get in the way. We'll put um, earplugs in our ears and not listen to him, or we'll do things our way and we'll hurt ourselves or hurt the people around us. That's, it's really that simple. That's the equation. If we just do those things or allow those things to go unchecked, that's the outcome. That's the fruit that it bears. But let's look at the alternative. Let's look at what it would look like for us to step into the kind of community that God wants for us. I'm gonna invite the band to come up on the stage um, as I speak. So here's the thing, gifts can be trusted from people who are. Here's our next list. Gifts can be trusted from people who are. Or in other words, what are the things, what are the behaviors, what are the postures, what's the heart shape that we strive for that welcomes the Spirit of God? that uses the gifts of the Spirit of God to build each other up and to point people towards Jesus. It's simple, it's a simple equation. It's the inverse of that whole list. It's, can we be people who are patient? Can we be patient with one another? Uh, when people let us down, can we say, yeah, okay, that was a bummer, but you know what, like, they're figuring it out. Uh, in the same way that we would hope people would be patient with us. Or can we be patient with God when we want change now and God says, I'm telling a slower, longer story, can we be patient? Um, that makes way for the spirit of God. Um, when we're kind, uh, when we're not mean to people that most people are mean to, uh, when we take time for somebody who can't do anything for us, um, when we have an encouraging word for someone, when we notice someone who's not in our normal crew, um, and it's kind of like, oh, am I gonna talk to that person or am I just gonna like play it safe and stick with my crew? Uh, if we cultivate kindness, we make way for the spirit of God to do things in our community. When we rejoice in the truth, Right? Maybe, maybe you've heard this before. Um, facts are friends. Right? Like we don't need to avoid true things. We don't need to avoid the reality of the situation. We don't need to twist things so that we can be like insulated and more comfortable with things. Um, we embrace the truth. Um, whether it hurts or whether it's really freeing, facts are friends and we rejoice in just knowing. Right? When somebody confesses something to you, that's, that's not supposed to send you off into a tantrum of like, I didn't know that about you. How could you betray me? How could you lie? Facts are friends. It's okay, thank you for telling me. How can I partner with you? How can we move forward in this together? I'm not put off by what you just shared with me. We delight in the truth. Love always protects, and we should be people who always protect, who are always looking out for each other's best interests, who are protecting each other's 
minds who are protecting each other's hearts, who are protecting each other's bodies, who are protecting each other's reputations. Um, If someone tries to slander someone who's not there to defend themselves, we protect. We step and say, do you know what? We shouldn't be having this conversation right now. Do you know what? I don't think you have all the facts. Do you know what? I wouldn't want someone to speak about me like this if I wasn't in the room. We protect. We trust. We trust that God's doing something, even when we don't see the road ahead. We trust each other, right? We say, I'm gonna make myself vulnerable to you. I'm gonna entrust you with this thing that's going on in my life. I'm gonna entrust you with this thing that's going on in my heart, right? We trust people. And we don't just like, that's not just like self-disclosure to everybody where we overshare, but we have to be in trusting community. We hope. We believe that the future can be bigger and better and brighter with Jesus, that he has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to prosper the person to your right and not to harm them. Plans to prosper the person to your left and not to harm them, that God is doing something good. We trust, we hope, we persevere. We gotta be people who have grit, who say, you know what, life is tough and my goal is to move through it with thick skin and a soft heart. I'm not gonna become jaded, I'm not gonna become cynical, I'm not gonna become bitter. I'm gonna keep moving forward and I'm gonna get through it with my God and with my community. We're people who are content. We're not jealous, we're not trying to have what someone else has. What we have is enough and we're grateful for it. We're people who don't just try to like magnetize all the attention to ourselves all the time, that we can actually come up for air and see the other people around us, that it's not just a me show at every moment. We're people who are humble, right? Who can serve, uh, who can make it not about us, um, who can look at people, who can ask for help, who can admit when we're wrong. We're humble. We're respectful. We speak highly of other people. We don't speak slander of other people. We're selfless. It's not about what I can get out of this. It's not about what I want from you. It's about what I want for you. That's the kind of community that we want to be. We're peaceful. You know, when, when things are stormy, um, We drop anchor, we get calm, we get quiet, we get in God's word, we pray, we get in community, and we weather the storms. We are peaceful people. We're forgiving, we do not keep score. We wipe the slate clean day after day because that's what Jesus does. We don't hold it against someone. Someone walks in that back door next Sunday and you know something about them that makes you feel better than them, you lay that down on the ground. That's not for you, you don't pick that back up. We forgive. And finally, we're honest. You know, we don't say things about God that aren't true. He doesn't need us to be his PR. Uh, He doesn't need us to twist things. Um, He doesn't need us to lie. It would be better to stay silent than to tell a lie. Um, Even if you're just disclosing things about yourself, we are honest people. That's what we strive through. But here's the thing is all these things that I've described, I just described Jesus and you might be hearing that and you're like, that's very inspiring, but I'm a human and I fail and I can't do that perfectly, but we're not after perfection. We're looking at what is the pattern of your life? What's the progress of your life? Is your life pointing at these things? Are we growing in love? Are we moving in love? Patterns over perfection. Um, Because it's a journey, we're not there yet. But at the end of the day, the gifts of the Holy Spirit will always produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, in our community. The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's gentleness, it's faithfulness, and it's self-control. And we need that in our lives, and the world needs that in their midst. And when we step forward in love, that's what we step into. So we're gonna worship, but would you pray with me? And we'll turn our attention back to the Spirit of God who deserves it. Jesus, thank you so much um, that you're a God who loves us, that you forgive us, that you don't keep score against us. God, that you've redeemed us, that you have plans for us, that you have purpose for us. Um, God, that you've given us your spirit, that you've chosen gifts for us. God, you help us to know what they are, to discern what they are, to step forward into them. Um, God, I pray for uh, the people in this room who are just here checking things out. God, um, that you would show up for them. God, that um, they might be here with that question of like, is any of this real? Is Jesus real? Is God real? Uh, And what they need isn't someone to logic them into relationship with you. What they need is encounter. And so God, would you show up in their experience? Would you introduce themselves to you like you've done for all of us? It's what you love to do. And so Lord, would you receive our praise? Would you receive our worship? Would you posture our hearts towards you? We love you and we're humbled and we're grateful and we want to be a house of love because it's your house. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would 
would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at calvaryhsm805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash hsm. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a part.